Well, howdy, Pastor Landon here, and it is time for Real Men. We wanted to welcome all you men to this channel. We are so thankful you're joining with us tonight. Um, something really cool that I want to let you guys know about. We have churches all over the country that are tuning in with us right now, watching this service together. Um, and we're thankful for all of them. We're thankful for churches that believe in men being equipped because that's what we're all about. If you guys want more resources on manhood, feel free to text MEN to 99383 and we will shoot you over some awesome resources on how to be a better man, uh, maybe even an exclusive talk. Uh, so guys, thank you again for joining us today. We put out this content for you guys. So this sermon is gonna be awesome. If you're a pastor across the country and you wanna come join us, a senior pastor that wants to come join us and check out Real Men, uh, we'd love to meet with you, have you come out, tour you around the church and show you the secret sauce that makes Real Men work. We've got 300 to 400 men gathering every single week here at Trinity Church and um, they meet around tables, they discuss, they pray for each other. It is absolutely epic and we hear tons of good Bible teaching from Pastor Mark. Uh, one of my favorite moments is 350 men gathered together, arms raised, worshiping Jesus. It is awesome, guys. Um, and if you just want to come visit with your men's group, come on out. We'd love to see you. Uh, real men. Scottsdale is in a terrible place to be in the winter. Um, it's only like 75 and sunny all the time. So guys, come on out. Uh, with that, it's sermon time. Get ready. All right. Best night of the week, amen. Hey, welcome to Real Men. We're so good. So glad, so excited to see you guys. Whether you're live or online, you're doing the right thing. Best guys, best place, amen? Man, am I the only one excited to be here? Woo! Look around the room. You found your people, gentlemen. Here are the heterosexual guys with the Bible. Welcome to our team. Welcome to our team. All right, my name is Pastor Mark. So excited to have you. And we're in the middle of a sermon series on Elijah. And so what I'm doing is a little four-part series. And we're looking at this case study of this relationship between a man named Ahab and uh, his crazy hot wife, Jezebel. So uh, today's talk is 29 signs of the Jezebel spirit. So we're gonna put up a number. And if you'd like to send in a photo of your girlfriend or ex-wife, we'll pick 29, amen? <laughs> I thought that would be funny. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Some of the dudes are like, I got it. Okay, so here's the background of the story of Isaiah. And if you want to know more, we're in it every weekend. There's a full study guide, 1 Kings 17 through 2 Kings 2. And the case study is this. There is a king. He's passive. His name is Ahab. He's got a wife. She's seductive and controlling. Her name is? Jezebel, and they're up against the prophet of God, Elijah. And so we're saying that these are not just three people who used to live, but the spirits that empowered them continue their work in new days. Today, the Ahab spirit would cause people, but especially men, to be passive, indifferent, silent. It causes people, but oftentimes women, to be like Jezebel, domineering and high controlling. And what happens is, if you tolerate, they will dominate. That's how the relationship works. And then there is Elijah filled with the spirit of God up against the spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of Ahab. We've established as well, some people are fully possessed, meaning their personality and this spirit are indistinguishable. This spirit starts to overtake their personality and decision-making. Sometimes this will be clinically diagnosed, dissociative identity disorder, multiple personality disorder. People will talk about hearing voices. And sometimes it is just medical or hormonal or chemical, but sometimes it's spiritual. 
Second phase, people are not possessed and controlled, but oppressed. They're gonna get disoriented when they're around these spirits. They lose their bearings, they get exhausted, they get confused, they get brain fog. It's a bit of spiritual warfare. Third, some people just have these proclivities and tendencies. Some of you would be more Ahab. If you don't pay attention and have just an intentionality about your life, you're gonna be more passive. You're gonna go backward, not forward. You're gonna avoid conflict, not say and do what should be done. Others of you, your personality is gonna be domineering, overbearing. Right, you're going to be the one who is in control and not going to be controlled. That can be a personality or a tendency. We're gonna look at all of this. And two things by way of preface, and then we'll jump in. Number one, a man or a woman can have an Ahab or a Jezebel spirit or tendency. Some women are controlling, some men are controlling, some men are passive, some women are passive. In my experience, it's oftentimes men who are more Ahab, passive, those women in relationship with those men, more domineering, overbearing, and controlling. Number two, Jezebel is a lot harder to get rid of, more difficult to defeat for this reason. It's about what? Control. And so Christianity is about being under authority, not being in authority. It's about being controlled by the Holy Spirit, not controlling others. And it's not about dominating, it's about surrendering. That's how you become a Christian. Say, God, you're in charge, not me. You're in control, not me. You tell me what to do. I don't tell everybody else what to do. Because the Jezebel tendency is about control, it's more difficult to get rid of something that is Jezebelian than something that is Ahab. That being said, I wanna start in Revelation chapter two. And uh, Jezebel was a woman that lived in the days of Elijah. Jesus rebukes a church in Thyatira in Revelation two. It's a thousand years later. So we know it's not the same person, but it's the same spirit working through a different person. So here's what Jezebel says, or Jesus says rather to Jezebel, I, Jesus, have this against you. Jesus confronts Jezebel. Just like Elijah in the old covenant confronted Jezebel, Jesus confronts Jezebel. Just like Ahab was tolerating, enduring, passive toward Jezebel, here in the church at Thyatira, apparently the men, passive. They were tolerating. And so Jesus has to be the Elijah. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. If you tolerate, they will dominate. If you don't speak, they will speak. If you don't lead, they will lead. If you do not activate, they will dominate. She calls herself a prophetess. She says she's very spiritual. Oftentimes the Jezebel spirit is very spiritual and very sensual. Loves church, loves to weaponize the Bible, loves to misquote the scriptures, loves to use even God's word to manipulate and control others. Calls herself a prophet and is teaching. And I always say, if they can't teach, they try to blog. That's just how this works. But they're gonna make sure to tell everyone what they think. Seducing my servants. We'll get into this for you single guys. You single guys need to know, you meet a guy, you meet a gal, you, immediately you're like, she's hot, so's hell. You know, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, okay? You're like, oh, she's gonna take me to bed. Her bed's in hell. You don't wanna go there, okay? She's seductive, she's seducing, she's flirtatious, she's cute. She f knows how to flatter. Yeah, she looks at you, she's like, you're amazing. And you know you're not, but it sounds good. So you're gonna go with it. You're so handsome. No one's ever said that because it's a lie. Okay, because it's a lie, that's a lie. 
and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, to eat food sacrificed to idols, to do evil. God's patient, he says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. So here's what it usually looks like. Someone who is domineering, overbearing, highly emotional, manipulative, flattering, controlling, if it's a woman, seductive, wants to get as close to the leadership as possible and wants you to compromise your integrity and wants you to tolerate their attitude so they can dominate your life. Seven things that the Jezebels hate. Are you ready? Okay, some of you are like, no, but I'm sending this to my wife. Great, oh, that's fine too. So seven things Jezebels hate, and then 22 things Jezebels control. Number one, Jezebels hate authority. In the story of Elijah, Ahab is in control, and she hates him and dominates him. There are, eight, there are prophets of God, she murders them. Uh, Elijah is the man of God with the Holy Spirit, and she absolutely opposes and attacks him. There's a guy named Naboth who's got a, uh, a piece of land and, and he has legal right, so she murders him to take it. If you are in authority, she hates you because she hates authority. She wants to be in authority, will not be under authority. In fact, the Holy Spirit reminds me, the name Jezebel means without husband. Now she's married, but she didn't act like it. She's fiercely independent. In addition, hates the word no. Oftentimes you're not, aware that you're dealing with someone who leans more Jezebel until you say this really very controversial word. No, all of a sudden their personality changes. Everything's fine as long as you say yes, everything changes as soon as you say no. Some of you know exactly what this is. You're like, we were doing fine until I said no. And then, wow, I lit the wick and there was an explosion. They don't like being told no, and if you tell them no, they are going to threaten you, intimidate you, attack you, malign you, form an alliance against you, and if that doesn't work, cry, say they're a victim, and manipulate you. The goal is to get their way. In addition, they do not like to lose. So there's an occasion, you'll see it coming up in the story of Elijah, uh, there is a showdown between the 850 paid prophets of Baal and Astra versus the anointed man of God, Elijah. Elijah calls down fire from heaven. God smokes 850 false prophets. They all were employed by Jezebel. It says that they ate at her table, meaning she provided for all of their uh, income. And though she lost, she couldn't handle it. So what does she say? First Kings 19, I'm putting a bounty on Elijah's head. The demons can attack me if he's not dead by this time tomorrow. She puts a 24 hour bounty on his head. If you in business or in a divorce or in a custody agreement, or even just an argument or a Bible study, sort of have a victory over a Jezebel, it ain't over. They're coming back. They do not take losing well. Also, they do not, number four, take a rebuke or correction. Throughout the entire life of Jezebel, not one time is she ever confronted with her wrongdoing and agrees. Every time she disagrees. Elijah the prophet keeps telling her, here's what God says, she doesn't care. There's no repenting, there's no relenting. There is no recognizing of wrongdoing. And if you rebuke them, you're not going to get a response from them that they are acknowledging that they have done wrong. 
They will shoot the messenger. They will change the subject. Uh, they will make an excuse. They will get emotional. Uh, they will say that you're being mean-spirited. Anything other than you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. In addition, they hate the grace of God. They hate the grace of God. She hates the grace of God that is at work in and through Elijah. And over and over and over, this is how these people work, especially those who are more religious and in the church. I like to call it law for you, grace for me. Law for you, grace for me. Meaning I'm gonna judge you and I have a problem with you and I didn't like this and you did that wrong and this hurt my feelings and this wasn't said right and I don't think your heart was right. And then if you confront them, well, grace for me. Nobody's perfect, you should be more loving. That's not very kind. Well, it's grace for everybody, law for everybody. But if it's grace for me and law for you, that's weaponizing and abusing the word of God. That's how these people work. In addition, they hate men. Again, the Jezebel tendency can be in a man or a woman, but how many men, how many men does Jezebel in the story respect and honor? Zero. She dominates her husband. She attacks Elijah. She murders the prophets of God. She closes the Bible teaching schools. In addition, there's a guy named Naboth and she wants to steal his land, so she murders him. Every man she comes in contact with, she's a black widow. She is unsafe and dangerous. She hates men. Oftentimes this takes root in a woman's life, I'll talk about it a little bit at the end, through trauma or abuse. This is one of the reasons why men tolerate women who are more like Jezebel. I'm not saying they have the demonic spirit, Maybe it's demonic possession or oppression or tendency. But if you know a woman and you know that she's had abuse or trauma, you know why she's so controlling because she doesn't wanna be hurt again. And or you know why she's so controlling that someone controlled her and she's never gonna be in that position again. She's made it in her vow. I will not be controlled, I will be controlling. I will not be dominated, I will be dominant. That's the inner vow. And if you love this person, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your daughter. If you love this person, maybe it's your mother, maybe it's your grandmother. Oh, you could just feel the air conditioning come on. It got so chilly. You know that they've had some trauma or abuse, so you understand why they are the way they are, so you tolerate it. But here's the point, that doesn't heal them. That doesn't heal them. They need help. They need healing. I'll talk about this a little more at the end, but just because you understand the problem doesn't mean you're helping until you provide a solution. I know you've been through a lot. I know your first husband did this. I know your boyfriend did that. I know your dad was like this. I know your grandfather was like that. I know you were molested when you were little. I know that horrible things happened to you in college when you had too much to drink. I, I understand, I'm sorry, but we need to get you some help because what happened to you there changed you and it wasn't for the better. These women, they really struggle with men. The woman in the story, Jezebel, she hates Elijah the most. She is committed to his destruction. He's the godliest, safest man in the story and she thinks he is the biggest threat and the gravest danger. 
Number seven, truthfulness. Jezebel, through the story, she is consistently dishonest. Because if your goal is control, you will do or say whatever allows you to be dominant and in control, including lying. So a Jezebel doesn't live in the world of right and wrong and true and false and good and evil. They live in the world of winning and losing. And in the name of winning, they're capable of saying and doing almost anything. So there's a guy again, his name is Naboth. He's got this piece of land. Her husband wants it, Naboth tells him no. Jezebel goes and she comes up with a tremendous lie. She says, Naboth cursed the king and God. So they murdered him and she took the land. For those of you who know the story, is any of that true? No. He was an innocent man. He said and did nothing wrong. She just lied and had him murdered and stole his land. You know you're up against something that is more Jezebelian when they'll say or do anything for the victory. There's not much conscience, if any. 22 things Jezebel's control. Let me just summarize it. If I could break it down to two categories, these are the two categories that Jezebel tries to control. Everyone and everything, those are the two categories. And what you'll find is if you tolerate a Jezebel in one area, they're moving on to the next. Some of you have dated these gals, been married to these gals, done business with these gals. Like, well, I'll just let them control the schedule. They move on to the checkbook. I'll let them have the checkbook, great. Then they're gonna take the kids. They just keep going. Their goal is like Satan to rule and reign, to be sovereign, to operate over everyone and everything. And as long as you tolerate, they will continue to extend their rule and reign. It is spiritual warfare. Number one, they will control relationships. If you're gonna have a relationship with them, it's on their terms. If you're gonna have a friend group, they're gonna control the friend group. You can't talk to them. You need to side with me against them. If they're in your family, there's all this triangulation in politics. Are you with that side of the family or our side of the family? Or are you for or against and holidays and birthdays and events? You're like, this just became so complicated. Why? Because someone is controlling all the relationships and they keep pitting one side against another in battle. Number two, they control the money. They control the money. In Israel, this was the king and the queen. She opened churches, she ran events, she had a staff, she controlled the money. If you let Jezebel get in control of the checkbook, they will control everything. If you have a Jezebel in a company, they're not the leader, but they make themselves the leader. They control through the finances and the spending. Jezebel loves to get their hands on the checkbook. This is like Judas. Jesus is doing ministry. Judas has his hands in the cookie jar. Gotta be very careful you get an Elijah in the finances, not a Jezebel. In addition, number three, Jezebel's control governance. It says that she was a queen of Israel in the Old Testament and she called herself a prophetess in the New Testament. She likes titles where she's the boss. These people love titles. They love authority. They love to be in charge. They wanna govern. If they're in the church, they wanna get as close to the leader and have as much voice as possible. If this is in your family, even if they're an extended relative, not even immediate family, they're going to try and rule over your family. 
They're gonna tell you what to do with your marriage and your money and your kids and your grandkids and education and housing and church. You don't have to invite them in. They'll just start bossing you around. And if you tolerate, they will dominate. They love governance. They want to be in control. They need to be in charge. And so they, and this is a religious spirit. It's where Jesus says it showed up at the church at Thyatira. Man, have you ever been in a church where a Jezebel showed up? Like they've been there 15 minutes. They've already made their way to the senior pastor, got an email into the board, posted something on social media, called in a blogger and then declared war. And you're like, we, you didn't even fill out the greeter form yet. Like you, you don't do Jesus, you do jihad. You're going right for the throat, day one. That's how these people, and, and oftentimes they're, well, we'll talk about this, they're very spiritual. The Lord told me I had a vision. Oh, a demon told you and you had a nightmare. In addition, number five, um, I'll tell you what I think. Uh, number five, they hate preaching. What Jezebel did in the Old Testament, there was a whole bunch of Bible teachers. She slaughtered all of them. There were schools to train Bible teachers. She closed them. There's one guy left who's preaching Elijah and she puts a bounty on his head. They don't like to be preached at. They don't like to be under authority. They don't like to learn. They don't like to repent. And the preaching of God's word triggers them. It triggers them. In addition, they control information. Give you a back to the story of Naboth. He's got a piece of land or husband Ahab wants it. He goes to negotiate the deal. He doesn't get the deal. He goes home, he throws a fit like a petulant child. What Jezebel does is then she forges his signature, falsely accuses Naboth, has him killed, steals his land, forges her husband, the king's signature, and he has no idea. She controls information. These people are more covert than overt. It's all of a sudden you think you know them and then you realize, oh, you've been reading my texts, you've been reading my emails, you've, you've hacked our company server. You went and talked to a bunch of other people to kind of do an investigation on me. You've met with relatives or coworkers and they have a lot of information, but they, it's like a poker player. They don't share it till it benefits them. They love to hold information. And, and let me say this, if you give a piece of information to a Jezebel, guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna weaponize it against you. Gotta be very careful. They love to control data and information because it's a way to control. These are the people that like to get themselves into the center of gossip. These are the people who spend their life on social media, gathering information and peering in on other people's lives. These are people who in discussions open really nefarious open-ended questions. Well, tell me about so-and-so. Uh, where do they live? How much do they make? Uh, what's their marriage like? They're always gathering information and they hold it. And they're very covert. This was Judas Iscariot. He was very covert. The, the, the opposite of that is Peter in the disciples. Peter's overt. You never asked, you, you zero times, you gotta ask Peter, what are you thinking? He's telling you. <laughs> He's just telling you. Judas, you don't know. If you would have looked at the story of Jesus and said, okay, one of these 12 guys is gonna murder him. I don't think any of us would have picked Judas. Like that dude never said or did anything. He was just off in the corner, controlling the money, 
gathering information, covertly making plans. Sometimes you don't know that these people are plotting against you until the day comes when they destroy you. In addition, number seven, they love access to the senior leader. If you're a leader in your business, if you're a leader in your community, if you're a leader in our church, if you're a leader in your home or family, this spirit wants to get as close to the top as possible. Ahab is the king, Jezebel's the queen. Say it another way, Ahab is the head, Jezebel is the neck. He's the figurehead, but she's the control. And they like to get to leadership. I'll tell you this, I've been doing this job 27 years. As soon as, I just, uh, this will be fun. This will be like therapeutic for me. So I'll never forget the first time we had a very tiny little core group. I was in my 20s, young pastor, didn't know what I was doing. I mean, our, our church is like the size of a Mormon family. It's like not a big deal, you know? Um, and, uh, and so we finally get a gal comes to the ministry. She's a really great, uh, gifted, talented musician. And uh, she walks right up to me. My wife's standing there, ignores my wife, completely ignores my wife, comes up, grabs my hand, looks me in the eye and introduces herself, Jezebel. She said, Pastor, I just would really love to get a cup of coffee. My wife is an Elijah, right? So she got in the middle. She's like, you need to leave forever. Uh, that was my wife, you know? So, and I was like, honey, how she said, I know those women. They go right up to the leader, they get real close, they tell their sad tale, they suck you in to rescue them, and then they seduce you. I was like, thanks for telling me. Right? Thanks for not looking like Elijah, but thanks for acting like Elijah, sweetheart. Right? If you're a leader, you know exactly what this is like. You're like, wow, they are dangerous and seductive. That's what she's trying to do. Uh, with access to not only Ahab, but also to Elijah. In addition, uh, Ahab, uh, Jezebel's rather like to control the conversation. As you read the story, 1 Kings 17 to 2 Kings 2, she does all the talking. She gets the first word. She gets the last word. Most of the words are her words. Well, howdy, Pastor Mark here. I hope you're enjoying this sermon. And uh, if you have prayed for or partnered with us, thank you, you're helping us reach 200 million people through Real Faith Ministries this year alone. My wife Grace and I, uh, we love getting Bible teaching out and we have got a veritable mountain of free content that's all available at realfaith.com. If you're married, we got a podcast. If you've got kids, we've got parenting resources. If you're a guy trying to get better and level up, we're here to help with real men. And for those of you who pray or give or help us in any way, we just wanna say thanks, it means the world. We are entirely supported uh, by our partners who give generously. And if you would like to give a gift of any amount, uh, we stretch every dollar. Uh, I'm told for every dollar you give, we're able to reach 100 people with some sort of gospel-based, Jesus-centered Bible teaching. For a gift of any amount at realfaith.com, we'll send you uh, an ebook that I'm super proud of. It's my Systematic Theology with Gary Bashirs. It's called Doctrine, subtitle, It's All About Jesus. Some years ago, I published uh, the Doctrine book, but I rewrote it. It's about 50 to 60% new. The Doctrine is the same, it's deeper, it goes more into the Holy Spirit and the demonic. And I'd love to get this massive resource into your hands. So thanks in advance for your prayer and partnership. 
You know you're in a conversation with someone that is unhealthy when they dominate the conversation, they set the conversation, they drive the conversation. And if you try to get a word in, unless you agree with them, they're gonna run you over in the conversation. And then at the end, if you try to get a word in, they always, always get the last word in. Because every competition is really in the form of a conversation. Some of you, I could just sense it, I love you, but some of you are married and you're like, my wife, she's, she just, women do talk more than men, true? Yeah, they do. But if you're in a situation, you're like, she dominates all the conversations, I can't get a word in edgewise. If I disagree with her, then I got hell to pay. And if I say something, she disagrees with me, walks away and gets the last word. That's not a healthy conversation, that's a war. They also control platforms. A platform is a point or position of leadership from which someone exercises authority. So they have these Bible teaching schools. She closed them. That's literally cancel culture. She canceled the Christian schools. Elijah is a preacher. She's trying to kill him, literally deplatform and silence him. Her goal over and over and over is to control platforms. Anywhere there is a leadership position, she's either going to take it over or she's going to tear it down. That's what they do. Either I'm in charge or it's getting burned to the ground. These people will burn a church to the ground. They'll burn a ministry to the ground. They'll burn a business to the ground. They'll, build, they'll burn a family to the ground if they don't get to be in control of the platform. If I'm not the boss, there will be no boss. In addition, they control the narrative. Controlling the narrative is a form of spiritual warfare. How the story is told, it determines how the people will respond, okay? And so what happens in, a, what happens in a, an unhealthy situation is someone will try and set what I like to call a negative narrative. Set a negative narrative and then all the data is interpreted through the negative narrative. It's a form of lying and it's a form of dominating and controlling. Proverbs says, the first person to tell their story sounds right till you hear the other side. How many of you have learned this as a dad? You got kids. One kid runs in, tell me what happened. You're like, well, let me check. Let me check with the other kid. It's just because you heard one side of the story, it's not always the same side of the story. I'll give you an example that comes to mind some years ago. My son, I had a kid at our house. Kid came running in, our kids were little, and uh, the kids cried, thrown a fit all hurt, mom looks at him, what happened? Uh, Pastor Mark's kid punched me. Mom looks at me, she's like, your kid hit my kid. What are you gonna do? I said, well, let me go ask why. <laughs> I gotta research. I go in and uh, my son is there and his little sister is crying, very big tears. She's physically hurt, not just emotionally, physically emotionally hurt. I said, what happened? He said, that big kid, Kept picking on my little sister, hit her, shoved her, yelled at her. I told her, you stop picking on my sister or I'm gonna punch you. And he kept picking on her, so I punched him. Hey, so, so I told, so, so yeah, so his name was Jezebel. And um, so anyways, um, so then the mom looks at me and she's like, your kid hit my kid, what are you gonna do? I said, I'll be back in a minute, I'm gonna get him ice cream. Yeah, see, it's like, they, they get a reward. See, we, we build men up to bless women and children, and that starts with little men. 
Okay? And so what happens is if you control the narrative, everybody runs to a conclusion, but actually the person who's innocent could be the one who gets punished. This happens all the time. It just comes to mind again. There's another story in the Old Testament, a guy named Joseph. Okay, you see Ahab, Jezebel, or Elijah? He's Elijah. Potiphar's wife, Ahab, Jezebel, or Elijah? Jezebel. Every day, I mean, they, you know, he's in the castle, she shows up, she's like, let's do it. And uh, he's, uh, no, I can't do that. I love God and I love your husband. So then she says he raped her. He goes to prison. That's the narrative. He was innocent. He was Elijah, she was Jezebel. He didn't do anything. She lied about everything. What a Jezebel likes to do is get very emotional, very loud, tell their story first, get on social media, make sure they're setting the story because it's a form of control. She does this with Naboth. Again, back to the story in 1 Kings. Naboth cursed God and the king, therefore he needs to die. That's not the story, but that's the story that she told. They also love to control a mob. They like to get as many people in as possible. It's a troop buildup for the battle. If you have a conflict with a Jezebel, next thing you know, you're like, man, they called all the relatives, they sent out emails, they posted on social media. Like, man, they just set this thing on fire. Like, they didn't, we didn't even talk about it or work it out. They just immediately went zero to 60 in public. Well, that's what Jezebel does. She goes out and she literally pays 850 false prophets of Ashtoreth and Baal. She gets a mob together. And then what she wants is that mob to have a larger mob of those who are watching join them in all attacking Elijah. So she's like, I'm gonna get my big mob and I want them to go get a really big mob so we can all destroy Elijah. It's controlling the mob. In addition, a Jezebel will control the agenda. If you're dealing with a Jezebel, if you go to talk to them about something, they're gonna change the subject and set the agenda. If you're trying to do Christmas with a Jezebel and their extended family, they are gonna tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna be here at eight, we're all gonna open gifts, then we're gonna have ham, then we're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're gonna, you're like, well, can we talk about it? No, I've got this, you know, here, here it is, I wrote it down, do what you're told. Just a question that comes to mind. How many of you moved here to Arizona from another state? Okay, now put your hand down, don't put your hand up. But how many of you, it's because you had a Jezebel in your family and you moved? Okay, and some guys just put their hand up. So those are the Elijahs. So now we know what the truth is. But sometimes you're like, if I'm around, they just control, 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 control. They control the agenda. They call me, we're gonna talk now. We're gonna meet now, we're coming over. It's the holidays, it's, it's like, you don't get to control the agenda of our relationship. You don't get to control my calendar. You don't get to control my budget. You're not God, you're not sovereign. I, I didn't surrender my life to you. This is antichrist. This is someone who's saying, you know, I read in the Bible about a sovereign and I thought I should nominate myself. In addition, they will control time. These are all ways to control. They will intentionally be late to a meeting or they'll sh set it, show up early to set the environment to control it. Or they will cancel at the last minute 
Or they will say that they need to go. They will control time to control you. You're like, I've been wanting to talk to them about that. I schedule an appointment, they cancel. I schedule an appointment, they show up late. I schedule another appointment, they leave early. It's control. In addition to controlling time, they will control decisions. They will want to make any and every decision that you will let them. Any, because here's what'll happen. The worst thing you can do if someone is more Jezebel, ask their opinion. As soon as you do, it's like you've invited them to be Lord of your life. And I'll tell you what, sometimes people with a Jezebel spirit, you don't even need to know them for them to make decisions for you. They will just tell you what to do. They're, they're bossy beyond belief. Again, I'm just verbal processing. I should have probably prepared, but this just comes to mind. I was at the grocery store some years ago and uh, we had all of our kids. And I don't think we had all five at the time. We had like three or four. And uh, there was two gals in the line behind us and they were talking negatively about our kids. Oh, I can't believe it, that's a lot of kids. Earth is overpopulated. <laughs> I said, their ears are little, but they do work. You know, this is very rude. This woman looks at me, she said, you shouldn't have any more children. I was like, your attitude is birth control. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, it's like, nobody's gonna sleep with that, you know? So, um, but at that point, it's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said it. I'm not saying it was the Holy Spirit, but it, it just came to mind. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, who, who at the grocery store walks up and makes fertility decisions for strangers? I, I don't. Like, I, you know, all of a sudden, like, you're in my pants. I didn't invite you there. You know, we're at Safeway. But if you let these people make decisions, they'll make decisions. You know why you chuckle? You've had the same experience. All right, the next one, they will control environments. You gotta go to their house for the meeting. No, no, if we're gonna have a conflict, you come to my house. And they will show up early to set up the environment. No, we're gonna meet at this restaurant. We're picking the restaurant. Oh, if we're gonna do Christmas, we're picking where it's, they're always controlling the environment because it's another way to control you. If you allow them to control the environment, they're not just physically controlling the environment, they're spiritually controlling the environment. So there's a trend uh, that is now happening. And I think it's large part Ahab's and Jezebel's in marriage. The trend is called living alone together. Which just the name doesn't sound like alone together. That's like Christian science. It's like both of those aren't true, you know? You know, alone together, living alone together. And what it is, it's a husband and a wife that stay married, but they live in two homes. They have two homes, two bank accounts, two schedules, two routines, two lives, and they only come together when she says it's okay. We've now got an entire growing family structure, marital structure to accommodate Ahab and Jezebel relationships. We actually have a name for it, living apart together. And what that is, is this is my environment. You're not welcome. You get your own environment. And if I say so, you can come to my house, even though we're married. Uh, uh. Yeah, I'll just be honest with you. So for some of you guys, this is why you have a man cave. This is why you have a bass boat. 
This is why you go to the golf club. This is why you join the country club. This is why you hunt a lot. And none of those things is a sin. But if it is my domineering, overbearing, sort of emotional wife drives me crazy and I don't like to be around her, I need to get a different environment. Then what I would tell you is, you need to figure out how to fix that environment. Some years ago, I'll never forget, there was a guy in my neighborhood. We moved a lot, so you don't know what guy this is. But he, he was, we thought he was the nicest guy in the neighborhood. He would leaf blow everyone's yard in the whole neighborhood. And all, we had the most beautiful street. This guy, leaf blow, smile, big, huge earphones. I'll never forget one day, I went up to him, I said, thank you so much for leaf blowing. I said, just, I'm just curious, why do you leaf blow the whole neighborhood? He said, quote, it's louder than my wife. Ahab the landscaper, amen? Ahab the landscaper, okay? How about, are we having fun? Okay, so, okay, I got a few more, a few more. Uh, they will control leaders. As I told you, she tries to control her husband Ahab. She tries to control the prophets. She tries to control uh, Israel, the whole nation. She tries to control Elijah, but really what they like is leaders because leaders are the shortcut to power and control. Leaders, if you are a leader, you will deal with a Jezebel. I promise you. In addition, uh, they love to control families. Her family is cursed for generations. Their family is cursed for generations. I told you on the weekend, 2 Kings 11, Jezebel has a daughter. Her daughter's more controlling than she is. She has a son who becomes king. He rules for a year. His mama controls him. He dies in battle. She then slaughters all the male relatives so there is no heir to the throne. Jezebel's daughter rules and reigns in Israel, 2 Kings 11, for six years, the only woman in the history of the nation to rule as a queen without a king. Control, control, control families for generations. Hear me in this, men. Let's say there is a woman and it could be a man as well, but let's say there's somebody in your family that has more of a Jezebel tendency. If you let them, they're gonna control you, your life, your marriage. Guess what happens when you have kids? They're gonna control your kids. Guess what happens when your kids have kids? That's where my mom and dad are now. My mom and dad are awesome and I love them, so I'm grateful for them. But they will control the whole family, extended family, as many people as possible for as many generations as possible. If you tolerate that, you're letting the least healthy person determine your legacy. The least healthy person should never determine the legacy. It should only be the most healthy person, the Elijah. They also control gifts. And the reason that a Jezebel will give a gift is why? Now you, you owe them. This is never grace-based giving. This is always strings attached. Okay, I'll give you money if you go to college where I tell you, if you send the kids to school where I tell you, if you buy the house that I tell you, if you move to the city that I tell you, if you live in the home that I tell you, if you marry who I tell you. And some of you, you received what you thought was a gift. It wasn't, it was a bribe. Later on, they're like, remember what I gave you? You owe me. Or now I need to speak into your life. 
I gave you money for a house. Now I get to decide the house. Now they're in, it's control. This is why, again, in the story of Naboth, she murders him, steals the land, gives it to her husband. It's something that her husband really wanted. Now he owes her. Now he owes her. Anytime she wants to pull out that card, she could be like, honey, here's what I'm telling you to do or to say. No, I don't wanna do that. You owe me. I murdered Naboth and got the land. You owe me. In addition, uh, they will control their image. How they appear matters great to them. It's not on the inside, it's the outside. These people love social media. They love to portray a life that is an illusion and a delusion. They want to appear like they are godly and beautiful and successful and they're dangerous. It says this in 2 Kings 9.20, there's a dude named Jehu. Jehu is a dude. He's going to murder Jezebel. Jezebel here, 2 Kings 9, Jehu's coming. Here's what it says. Jezebel painted her eyes and adorned her head. Her thought was, I get my makeup on, I turn my underwear to outerwear, get my hair done, maybe I could sleep with Jehu and he won't kill me. Image, beauty, seduction leads to control. In addition, they uh, will control your energy. One Jezebel will wear out a family. One Jezebel will wear out a church. One Jezebel will wear out a business. You'll reach the point where you're like, do they ever stop? Do they sleep? Like, I, I, I mean, I don't, have, they're so active causing damage and chaos and harm. I don't even have time to catch up. Here's why. Human beings have limitations. Demons don't. Demons don't get the flu. Demons don't get dehydrated. Demons don't need a good night's sleep. Demons don't need a Sabbath day. The Bible says of angels that they worship God day and night. It says in Revelation 12, the accuser of our brethren, which is Satan, he accuses the children of God day and night. How many of you can't work three shifts? A demon can work three shifts and they can work three shifts 365 days a year. If somebody is working by a demonic power, they are overwhelming and exhausting. I don't even know where they get the energy for that. I can't even keep up. This happens to Elijah. He gets oppressed by the demonic attack of Jezebel. In 1 Kings 18, he calls down fire from heaven, defeats the 850 prophets of Baal. 1 Kings 19, Jezebel puts a curse over him and she makes an inner vow to the demonic realm, says the demons can do harm to me if I don't murder Elijah in the next 24 hours. Elijah is so spiritually, emotionally, physically exhausted, he runs, he's a man of God, just called down fire from heaven. He ran a hundred miles and then he went into the woods and then he laid down and he said, I just wanna die. I'd rather die than continue fighting with this woman and the spirit through this woman. He's exhausted. God comes to him, doesn't rebuke him, but instead restores him over the course of 40 days. God says, here's a bite to eat, something to drink, take a nap, take a break. He literally 
is in ICU with God for 40 days because Jezebel wore him out. And he's a man of God. They will control your energy. Last two. They uh, will control your sexuality. Revelation 2 says that she calls herself a prophetess, a teacher, and seduces my servants to sexual immorality. Every man has got a hook. And every man has got a certain bait that Satan will put on that hook. For some men, it's fame. For some men, it's power. For some men, it's money. For most men, it's pleasure, especially sexual pleasure. If a beautiful woman will flirt with you, that's great. If she will initiate with you, that's amazing. If she will undress for you, that's incredible. And if she will do exactly what you want every time, you think to yourself, that is the most tasty bait I've ever beheld. And just know this, there's always a hook. She's fishing. She's fishing for you. She's fishing for you. And that's what she does with Ahab. And that's what she does in Revelation at Thyatira. Whatever your pleasure is, she will bait your hook. And what you think is, man, she must really care about me. She's giving me what I want. She's like, no, no, no. You've been fishing, she's going fishing. She is going to bait your hook with what you want so she can get that hook in your mouth and reel you in and club you to death. That's how she operates. True or false? Older men, would you testify for the younger men? True or false? True, true. And then lastly, a Jezebel spirit wants to even control God. I mean, Jezebel, she literally says, no more worship of God. Elijah says, God has something he wants to do. God's not allowed to do it. Again, the Jezebel spirit, very spiritual, loves church, weaponizes the Bible, quotes verses, very emotional, very sensual. But ultimately they won't submit to God. Let me give you two closing examples. You can be a male Jezebel or a female Jezebel. Male Jezebel, controlling, domineering, overbearing, threatening, ruling through fear. Women and children are afraid of you. And sexually, you're capable of really gross abuse of a woman or a man. Assault can go to either gender. You can be a male Jezebel. What does this look like? Well, there's a guy named Andrew Tate in our culture. He's exactly what this looks like. He was a big influencer on social media. Whole generation of young men followed him. It was like a demonic parade of disciples. He literally calls himself a misogynist, which means I use and abuse women and children. We build men up to bless women and children. He started in a Christian home, became an atheist, then said he converted to Islam. He's a kickboxer, domineering, overbearing, physically violent, sexually assaulting women. Right now he's sitting in a prison. I don't know if he's guilty or innocent, but he's accused of forcing women into prostitution, sexual slavery, and rape crimes. There are certain men, they run drug trafficking and human trafficking and cartels and prostitution. And I'm telling you right now, male Jezebels have taken over the southern border of Arizona. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
And the problem is because we have an Ahab. What does it look like to have a female Jezebel? Well, it's probably a little clearer from my talk, but what happens is domineering, overbearing, highly emotional, manipulative, controlling, seductive, and sensual. What happens then is the Ahab, he tolerates so that she dominates. And the way this works practically is, um, let me just say something to the single men. Single men, our world is filled with these women. And let me say this, if you're a guy who's a Christian, you're like, I like to help people. I like to rescue people. I, I like to see people get delivered. Be careful. A Jezebel doesn't want you to save her. She wants to drown you. If you're a lifeguard saying, I'm gonna go save the princess, she's saying, I'm gonna drown the lifeguard. Let me say this to you single men, you young men. Sometimes these women, they're attractive, they're aggressive. Okay? We live in a weird day. When I was young, you had to work for a woman to sleep with you. You men who are young today, you have to work not to sleep with those women. Men, men have now gotta be on defense if you love Jesus. You're like, I'm not trying to have sex with everybody. I wanna get married and have a family. These women are very powerful and they're very present and they're very persistent in our culture. These are the gals that'll pursue you, they'll flirt with you, they'll sleep with you, they'll seduce you, they'll initiate with you. And let me tell you, gentlemen, it's all about control. It's all about her taking away your authority to lead, your anointing from God and the destiny that God has for you. Most of the men that I know who are married to a Jezebel, it started with a dating relationship where she was aggressive, seductive, sensual, enjoyable, and then deadly. And you're not looking for a good time, you're looking for a good wife. And you're looking for a good wife with whom you can leave a good legacy. Be careful, be careful. Lastly, a Jezebel spirit in a female knows that they are in a strategic position because if they attack a man, he's in a lose-lose scenario. If he goes Ahab and takes it, he loses. If he pushes back, she says he's domineering, overbearing, unloving, controlling, hurt her feelings, and she's a victim, and he's a Jezebel, and he loses. The key in the story is this. Jezebel, controlling, aggressive. Ahab, passive, tolerant. Elijah, assertive, godly. The only way to overcome being an Ahab or dealing with a Jezebel is by the power of the Holy Spirit like Elijah. He's willing to say no to Jezebel. He's willing to say no to Ahab. Ahab wants Elijah to tolerate so that she also will dominate and he says no. My question to you would be is this, and I'm a little bit over, um, but here's what I want you to talk about the tables. What were your mom and dad like? We talked about this last week, but I wanna revisit it. Your mom or dad was one passive like Ahab, controlling like Jezebel or assertive like Elijah. What kind of family did you grow up in? Number two, what are you and your spouse if married like? Is one of you passive like Ahab, controlling like Jezebel or assertive like Elijah? And what changes do you need to make 
uh, for your life and family. And lastly, how can we pray for you? And um, I'll, I'll close with this and I, I will close. Um, we all start more Jezebel or more Ahab, okay? Nobody starts Elijah. Nobody just comes out of the womb, Elijah. We all start Jezebel controlling Ahab passive. The goal is to be honest and say, okay, how do I get to Elijah? How do I have assertiveness, not passiveness or aggressiveness? How do I act like Jesus and manifest the fruit of the spirit? And if you are married to someone who is unhealthy or unwell, how do you get her the help she needs to deal with the trauma she has that causes her to be a person who is maybe not possessed, but more prone to become like a Jezebel. Some of you men, you've been working around your wives like grenades with a pen's pulled. There's certain things you won't talk about. There are certain things you won't do. You can't even get her to come to this church because of me. You're here, she's not because you know that if you're gonna be Ahab and I'm gonna be Elijah, then you're gonna go home to Jezebel. The question is, how do you not control your wife and not tolerate your wife, but lead your wife to heal your wife so that you can get the best version of her for you and your kids and your grandkids? That's what we're gonna talk about next week. Lord, a lot, lot to cover here, Lord. And uh, Lord, we say that the, the word of God is not what used to happen, it's what always happens. And, and God, as we look at these three people, Ahab, Jezebel, Elijah, God, we see ourselves, we see relationships, we see our spouse, we see our parents. God, we all lean one way or another. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help each of us men to become more like Elijah, filled with the Holy Spirit and more like Jesus. God, we know that passive men allow harm we know that controlling men cause harm. We don't want to watch harm or cause harm. We want to build men up to bless women and children and to keep them from harm. Lord God, I pray for these men. I pray for their marriages. I pray for the single men, Lord. I pray that they would take this to heart. I'm a father with three sons. I care very deeply. I want these men to not just have a, a good weekend, but a good legacy. And Lord God, I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. We know that these same demonic powers are at work in our day and we can see it, God. As we put this lens over our culture and our world, we can see it. We could see seductive, satanic, sexual, sensual spirits. And we could see men who are passive and the hook is going in their mouth and they're being controlled and dominated until they're killed and gutted. God, I pray for these men to have the courage to be like Elijah. And God, I just pray that we would begin taking steps in the direction of the Spirit. And Lord God, for those men who have learned a little bit, would they help pull up the next guy? And God, for the guys that are just really struggling to hear this because they gotta go home and have a conversation, I pray that first they'd have a conversation with you, hear from you, and have a plan to love their wife, to lead their family. And if she's had trauma and she's controlling and unhealthy, that they would get her some help in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you guys, thanks. 
Pastor Mark here saying thanks for joining me for this special series of talks at Real Men. Uh, if there's anything we can be praying for, any questions you have, send it to hello at realfaith.com. And if you've got a complaint because you're triggered and offended, please send that as well to hello at realfaith.com. We have got a team standing by to delete your comment immediately.